considered words. For this president, who famously promised us the most ethical administration in the history of the Republic, must be considered among the most corrupt in the history of the Republic. Corruption in office matters, and corruption in the highest office in the land matters a lot. The president's actions represent an assault on American ideals. Bill Clinton is completing the second year of his second term. Why not let these matters go, instead of keeping the nation's attention focused on scandals and squalid acts? Why not move on to other issues? Why not just look away? The answer to these questions is that on Bill Clinton's behalf, in his defense, many bad ideas are being put into widespread circulation. It's said that private character has virtually no impact on governing character, that what matters above all is a healthy economy, that moral authority is defined solely by how well a president deals with public policy matters, that America needs to become more European, that is, more sophisticated in its attitude towards sex, that lies about sex, even under oath, don't really matter, that we shouldn't be judgmental, that it's inappropriate to make preliminary judgments about the president's conduct because he hasn't been found guilty in a court of law. If these arguments take root in American soil, if they become the coin of the public realm, we will have validated them, and we will come to rue the day we did. These arguments define us down. They assume a lower common denominator of behavior and leadership than we Americans ought to accept. And if we do accept it, we will have committed an unthinking act of moral and intellectual disarmament. In the realm of American ideals and the great tradition of public debate, the high ground will have been lost. And when we need to rely again on this high ground, as surely we will need to, we will find it drained of its compelling moral power. In that sense, then, the arguments invoked by Bill Clinton and his defenders represent an assault on American ideals, even if you assume the president did nothing improper. So the arguments need to be challenged. I believe these arguments are also a threat to our understanding of American self-government. It demands active participation in, and finally, reasoned judgments on important civic matters. Judgment is a word that's out of favor these days, but it remains a cornerstone of democratic self-government. It's what enables us to hold ourselves and our leaders to high standards. It's how we distinguish between right and wrong, noble and base, honor and dishonor. We can't ignore that responsibility or foist it on others. It is the price, sometimes the exacting price, of citizenship in a democracy. The most popular arguments made by the president's supporters invite us to abandon that participation, those standards, and the practice of making those distinctions. Bill Clinton's presidency is also defining public morality down. Civilized society must give public affirmation to principles and standards, categorical norms, notions of right and wrong. 
Even though public figures often fall short of these standards, and we know and expect some will, it's nevertheless crucial that we pay tribute to them. When Senator Gary Hart withdrew from the 1988 presidential contest because of his relationship with Donna Rice, he told his staff, Through thoughtlessness and misjudgment, I've let each of you down. I deeply regret that. By saying what he said, by withdrawing from the race, Senator Hart affirmed public standards. President Clinton, by contrast, expresses no regret, no remorse, no contrition, even as he uses his public office to further his private ends. On every scandal, what he says or intimates always amounts to one of the following. It doesn't matter. I wasn't involved. My political enemies are to blame. I have nothing more to say. The rules don't apply to me. There are